you know, for me, it didn't take very long to catch on to that core message. And I think that's something that comes along with having an ideal client and a specific ideal client is the messaging becomes clear pretty quickly when you're working with a specific type of person. Welcome to episode three of season seven of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, AKA Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. And if it's not, let me know. I'll get it there. If you've heard the show before, leave us a review in iTunes or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. Today's co-host is Krista Ray. I was introduced to Krista through a friend of the show, Jimmy Rose, who was on episode five of season five. And he hadn't realized that Krista and I hadn't met before. I thought it was a no brainer. Krista is a WordPress developer who helps designers stay designing while making their beautiful designs into fully functional websites. She's a co-host of the Get Back to Design podcast and creator of the Simply Profitable Designer Summit. As you can see, like yours truly, she's doing quite a lot of things each and every single day. In this episode, we dive into the simple questions to ask yourself and your clients as you start out along the path of figuring out who your ideal client is. We talk about the messaging and positioning exercises that Krista went through, how to get in front of your ideal client, and the bumps in the road while figuring this whole thing out. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Here's Krista and myself. Hey, Feasters, welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to be bringing to you Krista. Krista is a designer, WordPress developer. Uh, She organizes an online summit as well for building profitable businesses. Uh, We were met through a mutual friend and she had me on her podcast and and I wanted to have her on here because she's awesome. She's very knowledgeable. She's an expert in her field. And so uh, thanks for thanks for spending some time with us here, Krista. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I'm really excited to dive into our topic today because I think it's something that people have a lot of like resistance around. So it's going to be good stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing. And not to even beat around the bush here is, I mean, we're going to talk about the ideal client, right? And so and we were talking a little bit before is like that whole demographic customer avatar exercise, like the age and what interests they have and gender and business and all of these other sort of things. Like, you know, we were talking, that was an exercise we both went through. It just doesn't work. Right. And so that's why this season for me is really important because a lot of people just see that as the only path to it. Right. And so we've taken different paths and other people have taken different paths to it. So before we dive into that, who is your ideal client? 
So my ideal client is brand and web designers who do not uh, feel comfortable with development, who just don't like it, who who realize that uh, they can be more, be more profitable if they're not doing their own development. Um, and it goes from there. I work mostly with women, um, but brand and web designers is the overarching audience. So why did you decide to... I mean, two questions there. So the first question is, is why did you decide to target brand designers? Yeah, so this was, it was a journey and it was something that happened on accident over uh, about a year, maybe year and a half long period because like, like we talked about, like there, there's so many people out there teaching you to find your ideal client. You need to do these crazy exercises and know exactly how much money they make and what time they wake up in the morning, what their morning routine is. And trust me, I tried those things. And if I was working with that kind of person now, I can tell you, I wouldn't be a very happy camper. Um, but <laughs> like when I started my business, I was targeting everybody working with anybody who needed a website. I was doing design and development and like I very quickly realized I just wanted to be doing development, not so much the design side, but I was still targeting everybody. And, you know, I don't know how, how in depth you want me to go here, but over the course of the first year, um, I worked with all kinds of people and was lucky enough to have a few uh, brand and web designers who had hired me to help them with development. And then I worked with a coach who was trying to lead me to find my ideal client and had me answer some questions about, well, it was as easy as, who have your top three favorite clients been? And all of them were designers. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's who I should be working with. And you know, the journey from there wasn't easy, but that's like the moment that I figured it out is when she asked that question. Yeah, that was very similar to, I didn't have a coach at the time and it took me a lot longer than just somebody <laughs> asking me that question, yeah. but that's sort of what I did and what I went through. And it's, it's who I help when I have my coaching clients is I just ask them to take an hour out of their day and just fill out a piece of paper, really just asking them a couple of questions, but it's who do you enjoy working with and who do you not enjoy working with? And then trying to figure out what the characteristics of either of those are. And so when you look at that from the top down perspective is like you actually end up with a two lists. One list is your red flags. The other list is your, you know, this is what I have to search for. And so when I found was that I like to work with established online businesses, right? And while I was working in the e-commerce space, while I was doing Ruby on Rails and custom PHP work and WordPress work and all these other things, not only was I finding that I wanted to work with established online businesses, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to, you know, struggle or I wanted them to know what they don't know. Right? And that's why it was established. And then I found that WordPress was, was better suited for them because they weren't always in it. They weren't an Amazon.com. They were just selling some products online. And yes, while it could have been, you know, it's now morphed, but while it could have been, you know, something that where they're in it maybe once a week, twice a week, they're not in it every day, all day long. And so I didn't want them to have to relearn everything every time they go in there. So the brand designer, I guess for me, the question that I do have there is, is when you decided that you didn't want to do design. And obviously you could, what was your feelings there? Like, you're like, okay, I just want to focus in on the development side and help these other people. Uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> Honestly, I had no idea if it was going to work or if it was a possibility. 
Um, at the time, I didn't know anyone else who did that. I didn't know anyone who focused just on one piece of the puzzle. Everyone I was surrounded with was doing everything. Um, so it was, it felt really impossible to me, to be honest with you. But, you know, the thing that got, kept me going and pushing through it was but looking back at those, I think at, at the time it was three or four projects I had done like that. The designer did their thing and handed it off to me. And um, there was one person who before had only done branding because they didn't know how to make a website. So then they were able to transition over to do the web design as well. And having those people and hearing their feedback and how much they were feeling like it was changing their businesses just through those through that one time working with me is is what made me decide to push through those fairs. But honestly, I had no idea if it was going to work. Um, the, after I decided to do it and made the transition, I found one other person that was doing it. And I mean, since then, tons more have popped up. But at the time, there were not very many out there. So it was all new. And I had I had no idea if the business idea was going to work at all. Yeah, that fear or that anxiousness of going down that road, that's something that's real. So I appreciate you sharing that. Before we dive into a little bit deeper into how, you know, after those questions were asked, I always like to ask, and this can be professional or personal, uh, whatever you feel, what has been your defining moment in life so far? Yeah. So honestly, this, this is something interesting that I didn't realize until I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, but it was, I'm trying to think of like how old I was or how long ago, I think I was like 20 ish. And it seemed very small at the time, but I had applied for this job. I was still in school, applied for this pretty big job opportunity and got it. And um, my mom, once I called her and told her, she made some comment like, you know, oh my gosh, everything you do works or everything you want, you make happen. And at that time, I was just like, oh mom, you know, stop it, whatever. Mom talk. Yes, exactly. Um, but it stuck with me since then. And like being able to play back those words it is to me a reminder of how far I've come as well as a reminder of if I want to make something happen, I'm going to make it happen and I can make it happen. And like that reminder, I think is what makes me push every new level I decide I want to get to. Uh, and because of that, I hate it when I hear people make excuses um, about situations they're in or opportunities that they feel they do or don't have. And I mean, of course, sometimes it is beyond someone's control, but a lot of the time it's not. And it's just a matter of doing it, getting over your fear, making a plan for how you're going to make it happen, ignoring the silly excuses you're making. Um, so I'm really appreciative, appreciative of that experience to look back on, on those little words that maybe at the time, maybe they were just silly mom words. Um, but it was just, it's just been really eye opening and something that I think back on a lot, especially when self-doubt starts creeping in in situations like where you decide you're only going to focus on like 10% of your original audience or less. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, awesome. Well, big thanks, mom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, there's definitely some mantras or words to live by that I, I go by too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's awesome. Yeah, so once uh, your coach and Presumably, you even explored this deeper yourself. But what was some of the exercises after and maybe maybe some of the pivot points at which you said, OK, I could dive deeper into this specialty or ideal client? So I am not a person to have an idea and just like sit on it or do it halfway. Like 
if I have an idea, it's happening. Um, so within the couple weeks after that, yes, I was terrified, but I didn't waste any time. Um, all my web copy immediately changed. I was very lucky that at the time I was in a mastermind with three designers. So I had lots of really great people really close to me to ask questions. Um, so I was able to do kind of the market research portion really, really easily. And then I had those past clients who I had really great relationships with, who I was able to go back and get some good words for, for like, why? did they want to you know do this work with me what kind of transformation did I help them achieve so I was able to write pretty good copy right away um, so I didn't waste any time my website was updated social media was updated um, I immediately updated all my services so my services went from being really general um, I should say I, before I did that my projects ranged between $50 and $250 per project one-off projects so I was taking like 10 20 more clients per month um, so I very you know right away I changed that so I made I could it was really crazy too how I was able to all of a sudden go from these general packages like fixes and tweaks let me know anything you want to do to your website and I'll do it to all of a sudden here's a very specific custom development package for 10 times more then I was able to charge for that on my website. And I was I made three really specific packages that I thought they would like, and those have very much evolved since then. Mm. Um, but even at that time, it was, it was such a big step forward for really being able to create a package that was really based on something someone actually needed rather than trying to make something that would appeal to everybody, which it didn't work at all. Um, so those were the two really big steps I took to, to start the transition. And then after that, it became a matter of how do I get in front of these people? And that was the part that took the longest for me because uh, starting out in business, I was a very shy person. You would have not heard me on a podcast. You would have not seen me on video, which is, you know, a lot of what I do now, but it was a, it became very necessary to start getting in front of other people. So, you know, I just took it one step at a time where uh, I started out being active in Facebook groups. I, I don't really do that anymore, but it was a start, you know, at the time I opened my own community, started my podcast for these people, um, started doing podcast interviews, eventually ran my summit, like more and more and more. I just kept building so I could get in front of these people more and more. And since my messaging was so strong, it stuck. And I, uh, in my little tiny circle of the internet, I am the go-to developer for designers. And I don't take that lightly. I take that as I'm setting an example for all the other developers for designers out there. But it was a really, it was a long journey that was it's just like one step at a time. You know, I couldn't do everything all at once and get it right. It was, okay, first I'm updating my web copy, then my services. Okay, how is this working? What's the next step to take it further? Okay, getting in front of more people uh, and just taking it from there as I saw new opportunities arise and new, new directions I needed to go to make a bigger impact with it. Let me stop the show right here. Did you hear what Krista said right there? She is the go-to developer for her community. That's what an ideal client can get you. As someone who has had a very similar business to Krista's for a long time, this phrase excites me and it should excite you too. Not going to lie, it takes a ton of work and no one said it's easy. There's fear, that's a real thing as we explore not just before, but we'll talk more about it here in a few moments. But by asking yourself, as well as your clients, some questions, focusing in on solving a pain point of a particular type of problem that your clients have, 
you can become that go-to person. If you want worksheets, exercises, and the ability to create that ideal client and precise solution to offer that client so that you can be the go-to resource and build a sustainable business, head over to feastacademy.com today. As a member, you'll get the processes and templates to not only figure out your ideal client and the services that you can provide to them, You'll also learn how to figure out how to price those services. That makes it a complete no-brainer for the client. That's why I'm so excited and I want to invite you to check out Feast. By using the code DESIGN, you get your first month for only $20. Feast is the community and resource hub for developers and designers ready to get off that project searching hamster wheel and actually run the business that they set out to build. Feast helps position you in the market with what you do, who you help, and helps you build the processes and systems for client management, sales, marketing, delivery, and pricing. Your business isn't the same as everyone else's. When you are a member of Feast, you get personalized guidance from myself. It is essential for me to meet you where you are and make sure that you are getting the exact tools so that you don't get lost in the shuffle. The moment you sign up, we'll have a chat so that I can create a custom syllabus of resources within Feast to meet you where you are. If you want to stop chasing down that next project all the time so that you can start living your life, go to feastacademy.com and use the code DESIGN at checkout and your first month is only $20. They always say like, hey, you need to blog, you need to be out there, you need to do all these things. But if you don't have that core messaging right, really what what your customers want from you, from like you have existing customers, learn the language of them and then push that out, right? And it makes everything so much easier. Like you said, like building up these packages that they actually wanted, not these general things like, hey, let me know. I was just reading uh, StoryBrand, the book, and you know, in there, they say the science behind humans is that for people to make a decision, they want the decision made for them. And then they feel that they've made the decision. Meaning, so when you read something like you're saying, instead of saying, you know, let me know whatever tweaks or modifications or whatever you need, I'll do it for you. Uh, that puts brain power onto the person and it cycles. And, it's, and in the book, they say it actually use calories to make your brain do the work because now they have to come up with what it is that they need. The point that I want to make highlight that you made is that you don't take it lightly that you are the go-to resource. You know exactly what you can deliver for people, your clients, your leads, past clients, and so forth. And so you want to be that tip of the spear, if you will, that says, hey, this is what you need. And then when the designers come, they just read the page. It's like, oh yeah, of course she gets it. Right. And so I think that's so important. Um, did you have conversations with your existing, like you said, the mastermind and you got that research. Did you have conversations with your existing clients and past clients as well? Yeah. Yeah. Two of them were pretty good friends. So, I mean, that did make it easy. Uh, I reached out to the other two just for testimonials, but I did, I was able to like get on calls with these people and talk to them. 
And I sent out, you know, did a few surveys or stuff like that. At the time, I was super shy. If I was doing it now, I would have had all the calls scheduled and everything like that. But, you know, for me, it didn't take very long to catch on to that core message. And I think that's something that comes along with having an ideal client and a specific ideal client is the messaging becomes clear pretty quickly when you're working with a specific type of person. Uh, And that's what happened for me. I talked to a few people, heard the same things. I was like, all right, I'm good to go. Um, And that was enough to at least get me started. And of course, I've adjusted from there to get way more clear and hit points way harder. But just those few conversations were all I needed since it was so specific. And what did you ask them? Do you remember? Uh, I, you know, I asked, I wanted to know why they didn't want to do development. Was it that you didn't know how? Was it that it was stressful? Was it, was it that you were, your projects were getting behind because of it? Um, I was asking them about what specific benefits they felt like they got from working with me. So I could highlight those things on the sales page. Like, was it just easier? Um, you know, did, were you able to make more money through your projects? Stuff like that. Uh, I wanted to know how much they were willing to spend and like what would get them over that barrier. Cause that's something I ran into a lot in the beginning. Since there weren't very many people, at least in my space, doing what I was doing, development for designers, I had a really hard time getting people to pay me to do that. So I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what made you decide that it was worth it to give me this portion of your the money your client's giving you and stuff like that. So I was just trying to get benefits and pain points in their words that I could use in my copy. Yeah. And that makes it super simple to just reflect that, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was on a call with a potential client maybe three months ago now. And he was like, I'm reading your website and you are like, that's me. It's like, I wrote this page and I need to work with you. And at the time I was booked out and I told him that. And he sent an email after our call. He was like, Krista, I just really need to work with you. Like, what can we do to make this happen? Like, and he was saying like, your copy's so good. Everything's so good. Like you're the one I have to work with. And I was able to make a spot for him uh, luckily, but it was, it was just so cool to hear all of that paying off because it does. And people notice that when you actually understand them and can really help them. So I do have to ask, because I don't know, right? And I have a feeling that the listeners are thinking about it too. Have you practiced copywriting at all? Not really. I'm decent at it. I don't know why, (laughs) Um, but I haven't like taken any courses or done anything like that. You know, I've just seen people say, use the words your audience uses. And that's, that's what I do. You know, I'll study, look at homepages and sales pages of bigger name people and kind of use those principles in my own stuff. Uh, as of a few months ago, I do have a copywriter on retainer who reviews all my copy and will edit it for me. Um, but that's just been over the past few months, which is really nice. By the way. Yeah. So the reason why I asked that is because people, I get people in my email and, and things like that. They're like, Oh, you're such a great copywriter. And I'm like, I'm not Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the farthest thing from it. But, uh, you know, what, what's funny is like, it, it is really just a reflection on what you are hearing and listening to and what's the market telling you. And so if I could solve a problem, if they're answering, like, I love that list of questions that you, you said, I'm actually going to put that in the show notes, like here, this is what you got to ask. Because very much early on in my career too, around 2011-ish, 12, uh, when I started my business now, I was very much the same way. Like I didn't want to do design. And I was just like, I'll just partner up with designers and try to figure out how I can do their development. Like let them do what they're good at and I'll do what I'm good at and we'll just collaborate. Um, 
one of the things, and I don't know if this is something you went down to, was when I spoke with them, that question of if they're getting, let's just say $10,000, they're going to give me a piece of that pie. Like, how do I get them over the hill or make sure that I'm not eating into their profits, right? And so I helped communicate with them to say, hey, maybe instead of 10,000, it's 12.5, right? And then in this way, there's enough for both of us and they're getting two experts, they're not just getting the one. Um, so I remember having those sort of conversations like, how could we best make this work still within the budget of the ultimate client at the end? It's a unique, sort of scenario that it's a partnership, right? And like, it's, you know, you're creating this virtual agency, if you will, where there's the design aspect and there's the development aspect and potentially maybe there's a marketing aspect. There was a point at which there's, I was like, I've got a whole bunch of designers over here that I work with on a regular basis. They feed me work. Um, I have development work that I feed them design work to. Maybe we could bring in an SEO or something like they, my head started swelling and I was like, wait a second. That's not the business. That, that's the business Back you quit. Up a little bit. <laughs> right? Yeah. So how have you found to like stop the noise? Like all of these other options start growing because now you've seen how it like accelerates the business and grows the business both profitable because you have less clients, but the revenue is bigger. And now there's maybe more opportunity to scale and grow. How do you, how do you quiet that noise, if you will? <laughs> By failing <laughs> with the noise. Um, that's something I did chase for a while, especially right at the beginning when stuff started working. And I was like, okay, I need the next thing and the next thing. Uh, and I did look into that for a while. Okay, like how can we put together packages that are like the, the big package that the client needs? Either I have it on my, web, my website. And I instantly found like when I went and started trying to put that together, that for me, I just couldn't make the messaging work. I had no idea how I was going to sell something like that, how I was gonna market it, who I was gonna market it to. And I realized it would, have, it would have changed everything. All of the work I just did to narrow in would have been completely undone, at least if it was coming from my standpoint. Uh, I also played around for a little bit with hiring developers to outsource work to. And for me, that, that's just never gonna work <laughs> because it's, it's just so much extra work to manage people. It's very hard to find good developers, I'll say. And I don't know, it's, it just instantly took away from what I like doing. I like doing development. Uh, I like people to an extent, but I don't wanna like sit and have to pass tasks between people or, and all this stuff, and I know. Like I can be sitting up at the top of the business, have someone below me doing all the management, but for me, like that's just not the direction I'm going. And I learned that really quickly through trying it. So I guess that's how I quiet the noise is by trying it out and realizing it's just not my cup of tea. That's awesome. I mean, you're basically keeping your why front and center. Yeah. And that's what I talk a lot about is understand where, you, where you're coming from originally and what you want. And that helps make decisions for you. That's awesome. Uh, so how many times, and maybe you don't know, but I could pinpoint three specific times in my career where I've actually niched down or specialized, right? Maybe pivoted a little bit redefine the ideal client so that that would change all the messaging, those sort of things. Has there any been, been any of those types of points or is it, has it been just a kind of snowball evolution of uh, that same brand designer and that's about it? Yeah, it's definitely been like an ongoing journey, but there have been two very specific times. One in 
October, November 2015 when I realized I didn't want to do develop or design anymore. And that's when I narrowed down to just development. And then the next time was probably like October-ish 2016. And that's when I decided I was only going to work with designers. So those were the very two specific times where I made a big change. And then since then, it's just been like gradual little tweaks to make it kind of more effective. And when you when you make those small tweaks, right, to the recipe, so to speak, where are those tweaks coming from? Like, what experience do you have that says, okay, yeah, I want to refine this a little bit more? Um, so at sometimes it might have been a project not going well. Uh, and I wanted to get more specific on what my offer actually was or what kinds of projects I did and didn't want to work on. It might have been a couple of times like getting a feedback survey from a client and seeing something specific they said and being like, oh, I need to hit on that a little bit harder or looking through the way I was positioning myself and saying, you know, this, even though I thought this mattered in the beginning, but it it doesn't really matter now. Um, I think those are probably the the biggest things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I've done it too. Like, I guess it didn't work out too well. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do I need to change up on top to filter that out? What question do I need to ask to identify this again? So one thing that I, I mean, we're 25 minutes into this. And one thing I want to point out here is, is, dear listener, you, you haven't, and maybe there was two references where Krista had mentioned WordPress. But for the most part, it's been solving a problem, building a relationship with an an existing business and delivering a solution that they want. Right. And so the reason why I wanted to bring that up, Krista, is because if WordPress goes away, it's whatever the next thing is. Right. Like that relationship still there. There's still going to be the need for the relationship. There's still going to be need for those businesses. Uh, Websites aren't going away now. Like this was a a worry in the late 90s, but they're not going anywhere now. And like, so was that intentional to really say, hey, I'm going to step away from the tech stack, if you will, because developers I mean, let's be honest, we're nerds and geeks and we love to, you know, geek out on the newest, latest, greatest thing. Was that an intentional thing to kind of step away from that? So it was intentional to step away from it. Yes, but not for that reason. I, I guess I was taught through a program I was in, but I was, I quickly saw how important it was. I do not sell like the tangible product that I'm giving a client. I do not sell a website. I sell the results and the transformation I'm getting them. So that's why I step away from like, my sales pages aren't focused on, here's what you're getting. Here, I'm gonna sell you this website. I do have a section that says, here's what you'll get, but that's the only time I'm talking about what they're getting. Everything else is me speaking to their pain points, speaking to the transformation and the benefits. So that's why I pulled back from that. But what you just pointed out is another great reason as well that could be handy in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The reason why I was asking that and because I was I was curious to hear your thoughts on it, too, because that was actually for me an intention. Right. And so when I started niching down and really focusing in on a specific ideal client, I had done the whole Hey, I could do this in Ruby. I could do this in PHP. I could do this in Java. I could do this all over. And I was, I was burned out because what happened was I do a Ruby project 
three months later, it would be Java. Three months later, it'd be PHP. And then three months later, it'd be another Ruby project. I have to ramp up back to what I missed out on those past six, nine months. Right. And so for me, I was getting burned out. And so one, I wanted to focus in on a singular tech stack, if you will, but it had to make sense for the client. Right. And solve a problem there. Right. And so that's why I went to WooCommerce because it was easy enough for the clients that I was serving to get in there once a week or twice a week or whatever, and be able to do what they need to do and get out. Right. And so I'm always torn like Laravel, Vue, like all of the React, like all of these cool little, you know, like headless, you know, development. Like I'm just like all over the place a lot of times. Right. And so I'm like, ah, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a weekend project or something. (laughs) Like I just got to come up with a problem to solve so I can write an application and learn this, this, this next tech stack. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's great to hear that too, because if the tool goes away, Right. And this happened in my journey, essentially, because my ideal clients were no longer being served by the specific tech stack, if you will. I had to shift the tool, the tech stack, because those problems still existed for those clients, but the tool was no longer there. And so I think it's important what you said there is, is you're, sol- you're building that transformation. Where are they now? And where do they want to be? And you're being that bridge to get them there. And uh, I think that's super smart. So before I let you go, what's up next for the next six, 12 months? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm booked with client work for the next five months. So that'll be that. Uh, I'm working on some stuff for developers because I have so many designers coming to me that I can't serve. I don't have the capacity for it, but all the, I shouldn't say all, but a, a very large percentage of the developers I run into they're not ready for it. Either they don't know enough development or they're geniuses, but they just, they don't have the messaging down. And they're, they're doing a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. They're, they're trying to sell their websites or they just don't know how to, how to speak to the people they're, they're wanting to work with. Um, they don't know how to highlight the benefits of what they're doing. And I want to help both for myself and for them. So I have people to, to refer off. So I'm kind of playing with that idea, but I'm just kind of focused right now on serving my clients really well. I'll start working on another summit for designers, um, all that good stuff. Right now, I'm very happy where I am in this business because it's, you know, it's gotten to the point where it's easy and I feel like I'm good there. I have a second business that I'm working on, like ramping way up. So right now we're just going to stay chill with this one and keep it nice and happy where it is. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, like what mom said, right? Like, you know, whatever you put your mind to, you're going to go get it. So uh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Krista, where can people reach out and say thanks? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at my website, KristaRay.co, or I spend way too much time on Instagram at HeyKristaRay. Awesome. And go check our podcast. Podcast is great. Awesome guests too. Uh, well, thank you very much, Krista, for your time and experience today. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For everybody listening, till next time, it's your time to live in the feast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Krista and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one takeaway that you got from this episode. Super simple. In the podcast app of your choice, presumably this one that you are listening to right now, drop in a comment or a review. 
or go ahead and share it in a tweet and tag me, at Rez. That's with three Zs on Twitter, and I'll be happy to pass it along to Krista. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well so that you're going to be the first to listen in next week when we'll be back with Jessica Marin. Jessica is a marketing communications expert and helps IT and software companies with targeted conversion content. That's what we're going to be diving deep into so that you can really hone in on your ideal client. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast. Mm -hmm.